This message is a recording from Kaleo Phoenix, a church plant in downtown Phoenix that creates space to practice the ways of Jesus together as the multi-ethnic family of God. Um, It's good to be together. My pronouns are she and her, and as always, I'd like to begin with a land acknowledgement to honor the Native people that existed here before us. I honor the first peoples of current-day downtown Phoenix, the Thana Otham Nation, In the words of Lisa Sharon Harper, they were and are here. We see you, we honor you, and we thank you for laying foundations of harmony, balance, truth, and honor. Thank you for stewarding the land where creator settled your people. We bless you. We bless your elders past, present, and emerging. Well, as Chris explained earlier, Eastertide in the church year is quite literally 50 days of feasting. This represents the main point of the whole gospel, which is to prepare us for an eternal celebration and feast. This is reflected in the fact that our Lenten fast only lasts 40 days, not including Sundays, while Easter is 50 days. It's because fasting will pass away, as Jesus said, but the great feast of the Lamb will last for ages of ages. After the resurrection, Jesus spent 40 days on earth before he ascended. And then there were 10 more days after that before the day of Pentecost. Luke writes in the first chapter of Acts that Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So the great 50 days are a celebration of the resurrection of Christ and all that means for us leading to the launch of the Christian church and its mission on Pentecost. But tonight we're going to talk about the encounter Jesus had with Thomas in John 20, 19 through 31. Little was recorded of St. Thomas the Apostle. Thomas was probably born in Galilee to a humble family, But there is no indication that he was a fisherman. He was a Jew, but there is no account of how he became an apostle of Christ. But thanks to the Gospel of John, his personality is clearer to us than in some of the other 12. Thomas is often condemned for his lack of belief, but today we're going to look at a different perspective on Thomas. Thomas was equally courageous and willing to stand by Jesus in dangerous times as he relentlessly sought the truth. Like an inquisitive child, he constantly asked questions and was the first to have the revelation and public profession of calling Jesus my Lord and my God. Could it be that like Thomas... Your skepticism, questioning, inquisitiveness, deconstructing, reconstructing of your faith may not at all be because you oppose the divine, but because the Spirit of God is inviting you to have a revelation of Jesus that you and those around you have never seen before. There are many titles given to Thomas. In our Western world, he might be Thomas the loyal follower. Thomas, an inquisitive student. Thomas, the doubting apostle. Thomas, the reluctant missionary. But in our passage tonight, we will call him Thomas, the healer. John 20, verse 19. 
That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. He says, peace be with you. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. And they told Thomas, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. Put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. And eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hands into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book of John. But these things are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. The words of Presbyterian priest, Reverend Jeffrey Geary, and black woman, Reverend Dr. Wilda C. Gaffney, offer us a new perspective. Would you, like Thomas, want to touch Jesus' wounds? It's clear that the other disciples do not. If anything, in their rush to celebrate the return of their friend, they ignore the very thing, his wounds, that Jesus wants to show them. Let's look at the scene again. The disciples were disoriented. Their friend has been killed, executed, crucified brutally. They had betrayed him, and then they abandoned him. His shame and theirs, casting doubt on all they had placed their hope in. They don't know what to think or to believe or to do. And over dinner some days earlier, Jesus had even told them that they would not understand what was happening until later, but they didn't even know what that meant either. All they do know is fear. And so they have locked themselves in a room. And then Jesus returns to them and he appears among them despite the locked door, despite what they were trying to keep themselves away from. And he directly addresses their fear with his very first words, which we all said to one another moments ago, peace be with you all. He then shows them his hands 
and his side, his wounded body, and they rejoice. There, right there. Did you hear it? Did you feel it? Did you see it? The disciples move too quickly, don't they? As if averting their eyes, looking away from the brutalized body before them, he shows them his wounds, and they rejoice. So Jesus starts again as if patiently starting over, saying a second time, peace be with you all. And he tells them to go out. And he breathes his warm breath upon them, giving them his spirit that they might have the courage to understand and go forth with good news. We are then told that Thomas was not with them. If we think of this ghostly apparition, this resurrection appearance as simply the setup for the story of a so-called doubting Thomas, we miss everything. Thomas is maligned as doubting Thomas, as if he doubted the resurrection or the word of the others. But he does have good reason to believe the other disciples missed something important. After all, the women say that they have met Jesus and he has returned to them and he gifted them and sent them out. But eight days later, they are still locked in a room. Thomas was the first one to open the door and find them inside. His arrival provides not only a way into the room, but eventually a way out. I don't think Thomas questions Jesus' return or doubts the resurrection, rather as if by instinct he seems to get it. The Jesus who returns is the wounded Jesus risen by God. Jesus wants to show his wounds And Thomas wants to see them, to touch them, not to ignore them, as if to say, I want to see and to touch what Jesus wants to show us. I think it would be fair to ask, did the other disciples really see Jesus at all? If Jesus wanted to show them his wounds and they moved quickly to celebration, what that they really see. If they move right to rejoicing, we've got our friend back, that they really see Jesus at all. Imagine if Jesus returns and says, peace be with you all, and then says to them, see me, look at me, look what was done to me, and they don't see it. And if they don't, what did they really see? Because their actions say we don't want to deal with that. Let's just turn the page. Move on to life after suffering, after death, beyond death. But without Thomas, without this story, we would not know that the resurrected body is the crucified and killed body. The body of suffering, the body, suffering body, raised up rather than a glorified body, a glorious body. 
we would not know that suffering redeemed is not suffering erased and forgotten, but suffering taken up in new life. Without the wounds, we might imagine the Western artist's depiction of the resurrection as somehow making the past go away of suffering explained. And we would miss something incredibly important. Jesus was crucified, which means brutalized. He was bloodied, bruised, beaten. He was scourged, his back flayed, his head crowned with thorns, his hands and feet torn, his abdomen pierced. This is what Jesus wanted his disciples to see. The point of Roman crucifixion was shame, shaming, and the control that came with it, but the resurrected Jesus The Jesus who experiences not life after death, but new life in the midst of death, wants his disciples to see that there is no shame. He has joined the ranks of those the world brutalizes and shames, and God has raised him up. Once the disciples can understand this, they will be unstoppable. Fearless, courageous bearers of truly good news for those whom the world still crucifies and brutalizes. But first, they have to look. We live in an interesting time. We are living in a world that consumes all things. We consume what we eat, what we watch, what we see, what we hear, what we taste, what we smell. We are sponges soaking up everything, everywhere, all at once. Every kinesthetic, spiritual, and emotional thing happening in the world is seeping into the pores of our bodies. But at the same time, capitalism requires that we keep going and push past harmful realities because we have to go to work. Like robots, we have to learn how to become desensitized to the things that we consume, even if they are brutal, violent, and traumatic. (sighs) Following Jesus holistically with our lives forces us to stay sensitive to the brutalization of violence and things that is happening in the world. The other day, I was scrolling through TikTok, and I saw the story of this black daughter who lost her mom to the mass shooting in Louisville, Kentucky. And she showed the picture of her with her mom, and she showed another picture with her, with her siblings, with her mom, picture after picture after picture with her, her mom, and her family that she loved so much. And the only thing written in her her caption was, I just want my mom back. I don't want to imagine losing my mom that way. But I wept with her because the NRA doesn't care about her or her mother. I scrolled again and saw the brutal reality of CPS kidnapping a new mother and father's child from them because they decided to have an at-home birth instead of a traditional hospital birth and were mixed up with another couple. 
and I wept with them because the police and CPS don't care about them either. I'm seeing and experiencing in real time how capitalism and those in pursuit of it have learned to be desensitized from the people that experience their services. Because they are in pursuit of money and power, anything or anyone that gets in their way is collateral damage. Maybe those of us in this room who are deconstructing our faith feel the tension of the doubt that surfaces. But maybe we are not driven by doubt. Maybe we are driven by the reality of the brutality of violence in our world. And our inability to unsee that reality leads us, like Thomas, to want to see and acknowledge the wounds of those who suffer. While the Western church has maligned Thomas as a doubter and made him an example of skepticism and science, the Eastern church knows Thomas as a healer and educator. In India, Thomas is the patron saint of medicine. Because like a doctor, there is healing in his touch. This is a healing story. As good doctors know, you cannot heal without touching wounds, acknowledging suffering, and that can hurt. I imagine Thomas touching not the antiseptic holes in Jesus' hands and feet and side that we see depicted on so much Christian art. But Thomas tenderly touching welts, bruises, torn skin, the violence of it all. And I imagine Jesus wincing, even recoiling, because maybe his body hurts. These are scars that are never going away. Crucifixion was brutal, but Thomas went right to the brutality like a doctor. It is hard to touch wounds, but Thomas is tender. There is compassion in his touch and healing. And what if his touch, like Mary's embrace of Jesus in the garden, is a healing touch that Jesus also needs? And since touch is always double, the one touching is also being touched. What if this is a healing touch that Thomas also needs? Tina, Jay, and I, you can come back up. It has been said that the failure of the church in the 21st century is a failure of imagination. And I'm inviting you this evening to imagine this story as one of healing rather than of skepticism or proof of the resurrection. A story that demonstrates how new life emerges in the midst of death through a tender healing touch. Let's have a moment of silence as we imagine ourselves in the story and invite Jesus to speak to us.
I'll conclude with this poem written by Helen Rice called Before You Can Dry Another's Eyes, You Too Must Weep. Let me not live a life that's free from the things that draw me close to thee. For how can I ever hope to heal the wounds of others I do not feel? If my eyes are dry and I never weep, how do I know when the hurt is deep? If my heart is cold and it never bleeds, how can I tell what my sister needs? For when ears are deaf to the beggar's plea and we close our eyes and refuse to see and we steal our hearts and harden our minds and we count it a weakness whenever we're kind, we are no longer following the way of divine or seeking their guidance from day to day. For without crosses to carry and burdens to bear, we dance through life that is frothy and fair and chasing the rainbow. We have no desire for roads that are rough and realms that are higher. So spare me no heartache or sorrow, dear Lord. For the heart that is hurt reaps the richest reward and God enters the heart that is broken with sorrow and he opens the door to a brighter tomorrow. For only through tears can we recognize that suffering, the lies in another's eyes. For more information about Kaleo, visit kaleophx.com or follow us on social media at kaleophx. 